Welcome to the Up and Running Podcast. My name is Paul Ventura and I am your host. This is episode number 13 of the show. I want to thank all of you who've become consistent listeners to the show. Your support is very appreciated. Please share the show with all your friends so the show can grow. And if you haven't, please leave a rating on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using to listen to your podcasts. I want to talk about the topic of race tips, and I have several race tips that I want to pass on in this episode. So I'll get into that for a moment, but if you're signing up for a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon or a marathon, a lot of these tips will apply, so definitely stay tuned, listen to the show. And I'm also really excited to announce that I am an ambassador for the Plymouth Rock and Run Turkey Trot this year. It'll be taking place on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, November the 28th, and it takes place in Anaheim, California. So it features a 5K, 10K, 10-mile run, dog walk, kids run, tot trot, and vendor fair. And I have run this race many times before. It's a very flat course, so if you're looking for fast times, uh, you can get those at this race. And I'm excited to announce that I have a special promo code and my promo code when you register for the Plymouth Rock and Run is Paul Five Off. That's P A U L, the number five, O F F. And when you register for that, you will get $5 off your registration fee for any non kids race. So where you go to sign up for that is PlymouthRun.com. That's the website. Again, PlymouthRun.com. Just go to the website, go to their registration section. And then enter Paul 5 off and you'll get $5 off your entry free for the race. So I mentioned a moment ago that this show is going to be focused on racing tips. So let me tell you what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be discussing pacing, positioning, keeping eyes on targets, surging, fueling, kicking, music, and a really important mantra, which is control what you can control. So let's talk about the really important topic of pacing. Pacing is a really important element in racing um, because without having a whole bunch of races under your belt as a reference point or a coach, it can be really tough to nail down. So the easiest way to start off in trying to figure out pacing for yourself is once you know the distance that you want to race, let's say that's a 5K, and let's say you set up a goal time of 18 minutes for that 5K. You need to know exactly what the distance is that you're running. So a 5K is 3.1 miles. So that's three miles and an additional 176 more yards. The next thing that you need to figure out for yourself is how fast you can run one mile. So if you're shooting for running a 5K in 18 minutes, this means that you need to run a 548 mile for each mile. Now you need to assess 
your current fitness level to know whether you can currently do that or not. And if you can't hit that 548 mile, then you gotta train. So in order to train for a 5K, for example, and hit that kind of a time, you need to run some runs that are longer than your race distance, that 3.1 miles. That's gonna help build your endurance and your strength. And then you also wanna do some track workouts to build your speed. So in summary, with pacing, it's really important to understand what your exact distance is that you're running. It's also important to understand what the pace is that you'll need to run each mile to hit your goal time. And then also assessing your level of fitness because you might have to add some additional workouts in before you actually do race on race day to get you to the fitness level that's gonna allow you to do those mile splits. You also wanna think about running those mile splits as evenly as possible. So in this hypothetical example of running 548 per mile to hit a goal time of 18 minutes, uh, you wanna hit those 548 per mile as consistently as you can. If you do decide to go out a little bit slower, that first mile, for example, go no slower than five to 10 seconds slower than your, your mile pace, uh, because otherwise you won't hit your actual time goal. Uh, I'm the type of runner that does tend to go out a little bit slower that first mile, and that's because my body's adjusting. Um, I'm trying to feel out how I'm feeling, and uh, I'm also aware I don't wanna go out too fast and burn out that first mile. But um, I, I am the type of runner who can, you know, kind of go to work, if you will, quote unquote, that second and third mile where I really feel, feel that's where the race happens. That's where you see a lot of people dying off. And if you've been consistent and you're focusing on what you've been working on, uh, you tend to reach those goals. You do really well. So that's my tip on pacing. Now let's turn our attention to positioning. Positioning is really important in any race you do. What I mean about positioning is literally where you line up near the start line. So if you're a faster runner, meaning you run your mile split, say, sub six minutes, you'll want to be closer to the start line itself. The reason you do this is simply to be in front of other runners who will start slower because they run their mile splits slower. From a logistical point of view, this makes sense. Because if you're shooting for that 16 to 17 minute 5K, you'll want fewer people to have to get around and dodge at the start line. Many races segment their start lines by mile pace or for marathons by total time finish. So if you're a marathoner who's targeting finishing between three to four hours, then oftentimes the race directors have sectioned off an area for runners who will come in between that time and they group these runners together. So positioning is really important. Just be mindful that if you're a faster runner, get closer to the start line. And you know when you look to your left and you look to your right, um, you'll know if you're in the right place or not just by who's standing there. If you feel like that group is a little too fast for you, just take a step or two back and then you'll find yourself in the right place. So now let's talk about keeping eyes on targets. That's what I call it. When you're racing, it's important to keep your eyes on targets. And what I mean specifically is you should stay focused on different people or specifically a person who's a little bit up ahead of you. So this might sound obvious, and it is, but what I'm talking about is just focusing on other runners who are ahead of you. When you're racing, 
You want to focus on those people who are ahead of you because focusing on them helps pull you along. When we run, we tend to be more consistent in our pacing and it also helps the miles go quicker when we don't look at the ground and when we take our minds off of things that might distract us like how we might be uncomfortable at that moment during the race or something like how our sock might be pinching our toe or how maybe we ate a little too much at breakfast. So pick out a person who is a little ahead of you during your race and focus on not letting that person gain too much ground on you. As you find yourself coming up on that person and passing that person, focus your eyes on a new runner ahead of you that you'll work to track down. If you find yourself pulling away from other runners and it's just you, well, give out a big yell because you're doing awesome. And then focus your eyes on street lights that are up ahead of you or street signs. As you get up to those signs and lights, set your eyes on a new sign or landmark along the course. This is a great technique to shift your mind towards the progress you're making and you create mini milestone markers along the way for yourself. Again, it helps you shift your focus from things that would otherwise make you question why you're out there in the first place, like a side stitch or the fact that you might need a bathroom pit stop. Surging, let's talk about surging. Surging is a very effective way to gain ground on other runners and keep them behind you. Surging is a simple technique to both physically and psychologically take other runners out of the race. So how do you surge? When you start getting close to another runner that is ahead of you, just before you come up on their shoulder to pass them, you pick up your pace and you pass them with the full and strong stride. The key is to keep this quickened pace up for about two to three persons length and put a little distance between you and them. We've all been on the receiving end of this by other runners. When they pass us, they seem to be blowing by us. Guess what? They're surging. When you surge by other runners, you go by quick enough running tall and strong to put some doubt in their head that they'll have to do too much to catch and stay up with you so they don't. Pack running. Let's talk about pack running. Pack running during racing is a very effective way to stay on your intended race pace. When you pack run with others, you share the workload. And running with others helps you stay motivated, makes the miles go quicker, and it helps you stay accountable because when you're leading the pace, you don't want to let others down. Pack running also has some aerodynamic advantages because that lead runner is cutting wind for you. And it does make a difference. When you pack run, a great way to do this is to have one runner take the lead. And if there are two others following closely behind, you tuck, if you're the runner behind, you tuck your center torso just behind the lead runner's shoulder blade. So imagine a small triangle of three runners with the lead runner up front and then the two others just slightly offset either shoulder blade from that runner. You might decide that after the first mile, let's say, let's say it's a 5K, that another runner takes the lead uh, for mile two and then one other runner will take that final mile to the finish line until, of course, that finish line is in sight and then it's everyone for themselves. Fueling. Next topic we're discussing is fueling. Fueling for your race is one of the most important things you'll do to prepare. 
Many people have a big question around what the best thing for them is to eat before the race. Truthfully, fueling before your race has a lot to do with trial and error. For me, most of the races I run are 5Ks and they're usually early in the morning. So I usually stick with something simple like a banana, maybe some cereal or oatmeal and coffee. And of course, I don't eat all those things at once. I choose one of them. So these are just some options that I like. And also timing of when you have your food is really important. Um, I like to do mine at least an hour before the race. That way I'm not weighed down during the race. So if you're planning on running a longer race, say a half marathon, you'll want to try some different foods and change the timing of it before your actual race day. If you're planning on running a half marathon in October, for example, you should try some food options before some of your longer training runs so you'll know how you do. For example, you might love oatmeal, but if you eat a bowl of oatmeal and then go out on a 10 mile run and you find it weighs you down, you might wanna try changing that timing or maybe just try a different pre-run meal like fresh fruit or yogurt. Toast with jelly is a really good option for many people because you're getting carbs and some sugar and it won't weigh you down. If you're looking for something that will last longer and fill you up more, and give you energy, try peanut butter. And one of my personal favorites is peanut butter, bananas, sliced bananas on top of toast. Works really great for me. Now let's talk about kicking. No, I'm not talking about kicking other people as you're out there on the race. Kicking refers to finishing your race strong with a sustained sprint to the finish. Kicking just doesn't happen. You've got to train for it. So to, to develop the ability to have something left at the end of your race where you can overtake runners towards the finish and fend off challengers, you've got to spend some time on the track or doing hill repeats. Doing track workouts helps you build the strength and speed you need to sprint at the end of, say, a 5K race. Track workouts, where you're running intervals like 4x200s or 4x400s, that's where you run four 200-meter sprints back-to-back -back with about two minutes of rest between them. This builds your leg speed and endurance, training your body to get used to pushing at a high effort and giving your arms and your legs the strength to go faster when you need it. Hill repeats are great for this too. The incline of a hill trains your body by building the endurance you need for that sprint finish, what we call the kick. That kick is what can make the difference in earning a medal in your age category. Alright, I hope that drum beat picked up your pace if you're out on a run right now listening to my show. I love music. I especially love music when I'm racing. Now don't get me wrong, when I'm racing I don't have my music so loud that I can't hear what's going on around me. In fact, I play music without earbuds while racing so I can hear people coming up on me and for safety as well. So I feel music helps me stay relaxed. I like to listen to Bob Marley when I race. No matter how painful things get, with Bob Marley I stay relaxed and it keeps things flowing and fun for me. So if you find that you get overly anxious when you race, try some music next time you're racing. Pick something that will pump you up if you like music to fire you up. Or like me, pick something relaxing. 
a really good tip is to have a playlist set up through Spotify or some other music streaming app so that you won't have any dead spots without music while you're racing. And you won't have to play with your phone, especially if it's attached to your arm while you're out there on the race. Control what you can control. I'll say it again. Control what you can control. This is a mantra that I live by. I first heard it from my college coach and I still use it when I race over 20 years later. Control what you can control is really important because so many things will be going on during your race that you have no control over. So it's important to stay focused on the things you can control. What can you control? You can control the amount of sleep you get before race day. You can control what you eat before your race. You can control your positioning at the start line. You can control your pace during the race. You can control keeping your eyes on runners ahead of you and not looking at the ground. You can control whether you hang in there when things get tough or not. You can't control the weather on race day. You can't control how others will race around you. You can't control when someone whizzes past you in the early part of the race. You can't control if someone is a minute or more faster than you. They just are. You can't control if someone surges past you. But you can control how you react when someone surges past you. You can maintain the pace you've worked on and practiced and stay true to it. And guess what? Around mile two or at the start of mile three, you'll pass a lot of those people that surged past you early or went out early because many of them are chasing others instead of just running their race. So we can get caught up in what others are doing and allow it to derail us from what we've set as our goal or not. That is what control what you can control means. That's crazy good. I am really excited to tell you about an amazing place that I had a chance to try just this Labor Day weekend in Austin, Texas, and to be exact, in the city of Lakeway, Texas. So when you fly into the Austin Bergstrom Airport and you jump on the 71 West, you'll come to Ranch Road 620 and you'll find yourself in the city of Lakeway. Lakeway is a beautiful area, beautiful neighborhood. It's just next to, right next to Lake Travis, uh, where there's a lot of people go out and do boating and enjoy their time on the water there. So Vivelle Crepes and Coffee is just an outstanding place. If you like crepes, um, they serve more than crepes, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But I want to tell you about what I had there. I had the chef's omelet. So I like omelets. I wanted to try a crepe as well, so I ordered a crepe as well. But let me tell you about the chef's omelet. So, so if you like crepes and you happen to be in Austin, Texas, you've got to stop here. Their crepes are thin, razor thin, fluffy and light the way they're supposed to be, the way crepes are supposed to be when they're made right. And when you take the side of your fork and you just gently push, you're just cutting through those layers. So I ordered the chef's omelet. It featured eggs, merguez, beef, sausage, sauteed mushrooms, mozzarella cheese, and 
extra virgin olive oil and it was crazy good it comes in a square and you might say well i thought you, you said this was a crepe place it is because the omelet is wrapped in a crepe so imagine a, a crepe and then you you push down with your fork and then you see the layers of egg and then the sausage is coming at you and the cheese and oh so good i wish i had one right now and i am posting uh, a photograph of what i had there a couple pictures so you could see what was in it um, so i did that nice little side shot into the crepe uh, but i didn't stop there i didn't just have the chef's omelet although it is filling and by the way it, all omelets are served with oven roasted potatoes uh, as well as being wrapped in a crepe and they're served all day so you know don't worry if you get there at like 1 p.m because the crepes are still being cooked um, i also wanted to try a sweet crepe because i love sweet crepes so i tried the napoleon and the napoleon has mousseline cream in it strawberries and dark chocolate so you can imagine uh i have my breakfast crepe if you will with the cheese and the egg and the sausage because i had to get my meat fix and then i wanted something sweet so i went with the napoleon and they were both absolutely outstanding so vivelle crepes and coffee serves all varieties of coffees if if you like you know mocha iced mochas uh, with flavors like vanilla hazelnut they have it there they'll make it for you um, they make all varieties of cappuccinos um, so they'll do hot cold you know all of that so if you like coffee don't worry it's on the menu and then also they on their menu have quite a variety of different salads so i'm not going to spend the time right now going into all the different salads that they have but just based on what i tasted in their crepes i'm sure their salads are outstanding and then they also do burgers so you know maybe you're not a crepe person and someone is joining you for lunch there and that person's hankering for a burger well they won't be left out because they have plenty of burger on the menu let me read you what they have and they do start serving burgers at 10 30 in the morning they serve them with kettle chips or a side salad and for those who don't want as many carbs, the lettuce wrap option is also available. So they have the classic. It's a charred grilled beef patty, grilled onions, grilled tomatoes, mixed greens, and cheddar cheese. They also have the big bird, grilled chicken breast, guacamole, red onions, tomatoes, cheddar cheese, and mixed greens. They have the rancher, char grilled beef patty, merguez beef, sausage, fried eggs, sauteed onions, mixed greens, and Swiss cheese. And they have the chef's favorite, which is a char-grilled beef patty, avocado, sauteed mushrooms, arugula, and gorgonzola cheese. They also have pasta on their menu, so they serve penne pesto and penne rosa. And they also have soup on the menu, so they make green lentil soup, which is vegetarian butternut squash soup that's vegetarian they have the soup du jour which of course is the soup of the day they have a soup and salad combo 
and they have a soup and panini combo because also on their menus are a list of paninis. And let me just run through those real quick. I bet you're getting hungry. I am. They have an eggplant and goat cheese panini, which features roasted red peppers, kalamata olives, arugula, mushroom, and pesto aioli. They have a grilled chicken panini. They have the gobbler, which is roasted turkey, avocado, spinach, roasted tomatoes, mozzarella, basil, pesto, aioli on it. And they have a merguez sausage, and I did have merguez sausage in my omelet, and oh, it was so good. Moroccan beef sausage is what it is, sautéed mushrooms, sautéed onions, mozzarella, arugula, mushroom, and pesto aioli. And then they have a smoked salmon panini, which has red onions, kalamata olives, cream cheese, spinach, basil pesto, and aioli. Uh, so what I haven't talked about is the ambiance. When you walk into Vivelle crepes and coffee, it's quaint. There's enough seating. Um, you don't feel like it's overly crowded. At least it wasn't when I was there. But the line did start forming while I was eating. So just know that when you're there, you know, expect a little bit of a wait um, because it's popular. It's so good that everybody's flocking there. And um, and so like I mentioned, they have nice seating. It's quaint. It's cozy. And um, they have live music. They feature live music there as many places do in, in Austin, Texas area. So please stop there when you're in the area. I know you won't be disappointed. And uh, again, it's called Vivelle Crepes and Coffee. It's at 2011 Main Street, Suite 500 in Lakeway, Texas. You won't be disappointed. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Up and Running Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the topic of race tips. And hopefully you can take some of these, implement them, and hit those goal times this fall. I also want to remind everybody that I have a special promo code for the Plymouth Rock and Run Turkey Trot that's taking place in Anaheim this Thanksgiving Day. So when you go to register for it, if you're looking for a great race to run, make sure you use the promo code PAUL5OFF. And that's specific and special for all of you who've been really great subscribers and loyal listeners to the Up and Running podcast. So thank you so much and enjoy your next run.